Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm Jennifer Rogers Markwell and today we're joined by Lacey Grimm. Lacey, thanks for making time. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Well, tell us all about you and why you do what you do. Uh, well, first, I'm loving what you're doing. I've listened to your podcast several times already and just got met you and introduced to it. And I just think what you're doing is brilliant. Women need this. I think we need to be more honest and open. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, no, I I um, spend my life trying to help, be helpful and figure out how I can use my skills and talents in the most effective way to to help and serve uh, my community. Um, and my husband and I have a homestead and we raise four children on that homestead. And I think our goal uh, in general is just to live life in a, in a learning way. Life as a schoolhouse is our motto. And so we just try to make every experience a learning experience for us and then open the community to participate with us. So homesteading has become such a popular, I mean, I'm intrigued by it, right? You watch <laughs> you know, shows, you read books, you see like people Instagramming, building gardens and all kinds of things. And it's fascinating to me. And I love it so much. Tell me how you got, I mean, have you always been a homesteader? How did you get on this path? Um, So it's really funny because there is certainly a huge spike in trend. And so it makes me feel like, oh, there's this great opportunity for us because we've been doing it since before it was so trendy. Um, I think maybe we were just at the beginning, the, the, the front end of the curve. Um, But we started homesteading. um, We, we bought our first house, had a garden that was facing south so we could garden, right? We just, it, it was in our grain, grained in, ingrained in us to want to work with the land. And so um, I think we got addicted with our first pot when we grew our first plant of tomatoes in our apartment uh, when we were just newlyweds. And um, that was 20 years ago. So 23 years ago, something like that. I don't know. I try not to do the math every day, but um But yeah, so it just became this way of living where we were like, okay, why are we using this modern convenience and what would change if we tried doing it on our own from scratch? Um, And, you know, time after time, it proved to be a really um, interesting and also usually like self-satisfying experience because we learned, oh, we can do things we didn't know we could do. That was cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, what a crazy adventure. I mean, able to learn everything and do everything. I mean, what was your kind of guidance going into that? Were you just reading books or how are you getting the education to be able to do what you're doing? And for other people that are like, where do I even start? Right. It was well before there were whole like stations dedicated just to teaching people how to live this lifestyle for sure. So books, lots and lots of books we read and read and read. And then, you know, I, I'm really a trial by fire kind of girl. So we would just start it. You know, I, I know we started keeping bees, um, and, everybody's like, oh, you should take the master beekeeping class. And I was like, eh, we'll just get some hives and see what happens. 
So that's what we did, right? And we had a really great experience with keeping bees and then, you know, so on and so forth with gardening. I mean, there's always a great class option out there. Um, but I know for myself, like, it's just easier to dive in. I'm much more of a hands-on learner. So no amount of classroom experience is going to fill my my cup in terms of really taking information and, and then applying it again in the future. So um, so it's all like a dive-in situation for us. Everything we do, we're like, oh, we want chickens. Well, let's go buy some. <laughs> you know, there's not like a research this first kind of a mentality. It's like, a, we'll figure out the problems as we go. <laughs> so tell us about your homestead. What do you have on it? What does it look like for folks that obviously can't see it or can't be there? Like give us right. a, a, a verbal tour. Okay, a verbal tour. So we have our, our home. We bought it, we fixed it up a lot over the years. We tried to make it sort of a somewhat sustainable. So like right now when it's super cold, it's been cold for a few months. Uh, we have a wood stove and um, we actually own several properties, some that we use for rentals and things. And so watching the bills on the other houses, the electric bill is just like skyrocketing these last few months. But we have a wood stove that heats our whole house that we live in full time. So um, we haven't seen that bill go up as significantly. But anyway, so the house is somewhat you know sustainable. We try to harness the gray water, we catch rainwater, um, and then we built our gardens around the house. So we really embrace a lot of the permaculture ideas and we want our, our homestead to be sort of a living landscape, something that we interact with very regularly and without too much extra effort. So um, sometimes you'll see on farms where things are kind of compartmentalized, where there's the barn over there and the garden is out back and um, so on and so forth, things are kind of gridded out. Um, and we're really a little bit more of a free-flowing, fluid, almost kind of a, a whimsical situation where there's there's paths kind of meandering. And we really want it to be something that you feel like you want to walk out into and sit down and have a cup of coffee and make it something that's like a living part, almost an outdoor living space more than anything. Um, so while function is important, most of the perennials that we've planted or most of the landscaping is all perennial foods like blueberries and fig trees and things like that. And then um, we do have like an orchard space and we have movable fences for all our livestock. So we move them around the property a lot um, just to help spread their manure out and um, build nutrition in different areas. And, you know, it's all been a huge learning experience and we've been developing it since we moved in. We've been on this property for about 13 years. So, um, you know, it never ends. There's always a long list of things to, to do and to try and to experiment with. Um, but it's, it's ever changing, ever morphing. Um, currently we have cows. That's the main animal we have. We always have some chickens. We have lots of dogs and, um, cats and, um, but cows are really our thing right now. My husband is very experienced now in regenerative agriculture. Um, so we have a few cows, dairy cows on our property that we milk. And then we have, um, a property that we lease and we, uh, we run cattle on that for beef. Wow. That's a lot going <laughs> on. And did this, I'm assuming this lifestyle encouraged you to launch your podcast as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, 2020, I think there was, that was like the peak of everyone being like, I want a homestead, right? I'm at home all the time. What can I do while I'm here? Um, and, and so we were like, oh, well, we, we know all this stuff. We can just start recording our conversations and then people maybe will benefit from that. So that's definitely what, how, how the podcast began for sure. And how has that journey been? The podcasting? Oh, we loved it. It's given us this incredible opportunity to interview folks, to get to know other people in the community. And then, you know, very regularly people, especially in our local region, will say, oh, we listen to your podcast. We just love it. And, and I just really appreciate that we're not wasting all this information that we've acquired through, you know, trial and error over the years. It feels good to be able to share that in a way that's meaningful and helpful for other people who are on a similar journey. 
Yeah. Now you're the expert, right? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like expert is a, it's a little bit of a, a farce, right? Like we're all just <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> That's true. We're all, yeah. Learning every day for sure. Well, one thing we like to talk about here on the podcast is money memories, right? So what's a money memory that you had as a younger person or as a child that helped mold your relationship to money now as an adult? You know, it's interesting. I, as since I've been listening to the podcast, I've been thinking like, what are they? And I've had a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that stand out to me. Um, I grew up in a very low income family. My father was a minister actually. So, um, you know, the, I, maybe not all ministers, but our, our situation was low budget. Right. And, um, I just, I remember never feeling like we didn't have a lot of money, but knowing we didn't, knowing we didn't, you know, couldn't buy extra things and that kind of thing. So I think there's a little bit ingrained in me. Um, my, my mom in particular and my dad, they figured out how to get what they wanted and do what they wanted without the money though. So I think, um, I have it in me that, that the money is just, it's not really necessary to have a good life, right? Like, I just don't feel like I have to have it. I feel like it's kind of one of those things that's nice to have, but ultimately we'll be okay without it. I think that's ultimately my, my very foundational, um, experience and memory is just this general feeling of, we've got everything we need um, and we'll figure out how to get what we, what we want um, through other means, maybe not with money. Um, but I do specifically remember wanting a bicycle when I was uh, 12. And so I saved my money and was able to buy the bicycle. And then I remember when we went in to buy, I was so proud of myself for having saved. And my dad was really into, he's a cyclist. So he's been biking my whole life. And we went into the store to pay. And the bike that I found that he thought I should get was obviously a little outside of what I had saved. And he just, he just made up the difference. And I was just shocked. I think I'm going to cry just thinking about it. I was just like, wait a minute, this is more than I had saved for. I'm getting more than I had expected out of the situation. So it's one of the good, I, the better memories, I think of, of, you know, I worked hard and I did all the saving and then, um, you know, I don't know, I can kind of go either way. Cause I didn't maybe meet the goal myself entirely, but I did have that support of my father who wanted to help me get where I wanted to go. So, um, I don't know. That's interesting. That's, but that's the main memory that comes up when it when I think about the money that I saved and earned specifically. Um, there you go. <laughs> that's a sweet memory and, and emotional too for you, right? Yeah. I'm a crier. So I cry over everything, but yeah, I think just even going back into that moment is emotional because it was a good memory, you know, it was a good experience. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard not for money experiences, not to be emotional. I've been trying to work on that a good amount through my adulthood. So um, I think that's what your podcast is really all about. How do we uncover some of that? Totally. And how to work through it. And do you change the narrative or does it still serve you? And I right. think it's interesting with what you had said too, like fascinating because you're sharing, you know, money's there and can you do use it? Yes, of course, as a tool, but you can also do without, which is really hand in hand with what you're doing with homesteading. Oh, right. Yeah. I like mean, big I picture. Yeah. I think a lot of the, in the homesteading world, I think um, it's a lot of scrappy people who want to make something out of nothing, right? Like that's a really, I think, elemental thing that I, I don't know, the resourcefulness of it is, um, I think for me, sometimes I worry even that it, it um, 
it affects how I am financially because I'm, I would rather figure out how to do it without the obvious answer, which is the money, right? That just feels like a tool of convenience. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting to think about, but I think that a lot of people living this kind of lifestyle have that same feeling of like, well, I don't have to buy it. I'll just make it myself. <laughs> right. Which is fascinating. I mean, and the best of both worlds, right. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. I think there's some good things and some pitfalls with anything, with, with anything. anything. Right. So the other thing we talk about too is financial infidelities, which can be a very big word for a lot of people and, and meaning different things to each person as well. What's mm -hmm. a financial infidelity, one or many that you've experienced or that you've witnessed that you think others could learn from? Well, okay. So I've had a successful business for the last, I don't know, decade, a little bit more than a decade um, that I ran myself. Um, before that, my husband had a business and and I did so well with my business, he was able to sell his. And then he came into my business and sort of took over all the books and the bookkeeping and the taxes and, you know, just doing all the back end things that are really not what I love to do, right? I was like, you know, you focus on that and then I can focus on the other. Um, and it, I think in a way crippled me in terms of how I feel about the finances of our business. You know, he's done a great job. There's no, like no complaints about his management, but um, it leaves me in a place where I feel I have to ask permission a lot of times. And, it, and, and it feels kind of backwards when, you know, all of those finances are a result of my work. And yet I still feel like I have to say, Oh, do I have money for this or can I use money for that or you know it puts me in this really awkward position that can be very um I don't know what the word is like it, it handicaps me in a way or um demoralizes me or just it makes me lose confidence and I think that um it's not something I love to do but I think the more my hands are in our finances the more I feel um Control is not the right word because I don't really ever feel completely in control. I've learned to be okay with that, but just maybe responsible. I feel more responsible and I feel more, um, I don't know, just capable, I think, um, of seeing it come in, seeing it go out and, and helping manage uh, how all that functions. Now you bring up a really, I think, solid point because it's almost like more so of a partnership. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. interesting mm -hmm. because when you see, like for me, like when I have a, a new client that comes in, that's potentially a couple, they'll both come in and sometimes they mm -hmm. don't, but I always encourage both of them to come yeah, in right. yeah. because I want both of them to be at the table and to have the discussion because there's always right. one person that's a little bit more of the lead or maybe completely the lead in that financial conversation, that relationship too. But mm -hmm. again, terrible thing to think about, but this is like what I went through too. Like my grandparents, my grandpa was the guy. My grandma mm -hmm. was not the financial person. Could she do it? Of course. She was smart. She was great. Like, could she? But he was the guy. And that was a generational thing back in the day too. Mm -hmm. But again, when he passed, then we found ourselves picking up pieces everywhere and they didn't have a lot, but what they had was spread around. Right. So being in a situation where you're not, you know, communicating with your partner and whatever that looks like, I mean, I commend you for being like, no, no, we're both going to talk it through and I want my fingers in the pot and I want to be more responsible with it because that's huge because- it's better to have that conversation now than mm. when you're, you know, in a different moment. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that infidelity is just feeling, I think feeling like it wasn't my place to be. I don't think I, I, I really felt that way, but I think there was like a, a bit of a subconscious, um, 
oh, well, it would make more sense for him to take care of this stuff and me to just do the, you know, the, like <laughs> the face of the business, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm sure it's layers deep. I'm sure it's been modeled, you know, like generation to generation. I know that that's the story of my parents for the most part and, and, and back generation. So, um, I think, yeah, it's just about, I think I've, I've always felt, um, and this is something that I've seen, you know, my parents do and, and other wives and husbands where the, the woman will have maybe a part-time job or she'll have, you know, side business that she does and she keeps that money. Um, and this is really how my job started. <laughs> it was like, oh, my side business to pay for the things like outside of our, our regular budget. Um, and then it turned into something much larger than that. And it always was hard for me to shift into the, okay, but where's my like play money, you know, like, okay, but <laughs> you've taken all of it and now I have to do something else to, you know, so um, it's interesting how I feel like I see that again and again and again, and it's a pretty, a pretty standard way for, for couples to interact, or at least it has been and it's shifting and, um, and I've had to sort of cling to, okay, no, 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 I'm not, this isn't my play money. This is my, you know and working at it from a different angle. It's just been hard to shift. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think again, another valid point is just communicating that too. Yeah. Right? Like making sure that you are speaking your piece and saying your truth along the way of whatever that is to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I've even learned just having this conversation, like, Oh, that's where that comes from and why it landed there, you know? So I, I think having, what I love about your podcast is it gives us this opportunity to hear other people's stories and, you know, think this money taboo topic that we're, we, you know, that politics, right. Or religion, we're just not allowed to, that's not something we talk about. And, you know, we've been pretty open and honest in raising our kids. I really want them to feel financially equipped and um, to walk out the door knowing like, these are some good ways to behave. And these are some not so good ways to behave. And uh, we have a 19 year old and she's, figuring that out. She has a job and she works, um, close to full time. Um, and how she's managing that money is very interesting. And so we're, you know, it gives us this new opportunity to really, uh, learn side by side. Um, but those are conversations, you know, in high school, I don't remember having a financial real deep com financial conversation with my folks. It was sort of like, okay, goodbye. Here's how credit card works, <laughs> you know, and good don't, you know, yeah. I was going to say, good that you got at least that. Like a lot of us didn't even get here. Yes. how credit card works. And then you're in yeah. debt and you're like, what? Like what's yeah. happening here? But yeah, no, I feel absolutely. like, yeah, the conversation, I'm thankful that it's like less taboo now, but I feel like for me, it was just hearing these conversations over and over from clients and they're like, oh, you know, can I buy this? Or is this going to mess up my financial plan? And, and you see that they're savers and they've been doing the right things, but they think something, you know, little that they're purchasing buying, you know, a car or a couch or whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. Could that be detrimental for them retiring and living a comfortable life based on, you know, maybe a memory that they had as a young person growing up and families just trying to get food on the table. So right. there are all these seeds that are planted that are so fascinating, but everybody has a money memory, but nobody yeah. really talks about it. So no, thank you for sharing yours and, and your financial infidelity of navigating through too. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for having an opportunity to do that. Yeah. So as we, you know, start to wrap things up, the final thing I like to ask is what are tips and or tricks that you use to utilize money differently in your household? 
I'll tell you, I am doing my best with money when I review our accounts every single week. Um, so I really try to use Sunday as our as my day to review uh, and really just go through every single debit in our accounts because there's especially these days where there's so many recurring payments, so many subscriptions, so many um, so many pill, bills that get paid automatically, and you never you never feel that money leave your hand, you know. And so I I really think it's important to in that way, touch your money in one way or another to, to not only see how much is going out and that can be overwhelming, but also to see how much is coming in and how much you're able to pay for and how much, I think there's something really gratifying about, um, about saying these bills are <laughs> pretty high, <laughs> but I'm paying for it. I'm doing this. I, I have what it, uh, it takes to, to live this life. So yeah, I think, um, that's, that's my one little, my one little thing. When I do that, I feel, um, less like things are kind of spinning along and I don't know what's happening, good or bad. No, I think that's a good one. And just empowering yourself to know what's happening in your financial picture. Cause a lot of people are like, nope, no idea running along, doing my thing and what's happening financially over here. No clue. So you're not sticking your head in the sand. You're like really giving that time to yeah. audit what's going on in your own world. Right. And our grandparents, you know, they always had, the, and I remember my mom had a checkbook, right. And everything got yes. ledgered out and we don't do that. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe people do do that, but I don't do that. And why would I, because, you know, those things are getting sent out before I even realized. And so it's my way of kind of taking back like, okay, what would my, what would my checkbook ledger look like if I had one? And, um, maybe I should just have one. Maybe I should just be writing it down. I think it, um, you know, if it comes and goes without your knowledge and, um, it's not really, um, I don't know, good or bad, I guess it can make, it can leave you in the dark and that's not a good place to be. But you're giving yourself that Sunday time to, to dig in. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yes. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Of course. No, my pleasure. And those of you listening or watching, hopefully you'll join us on the next platinum talks wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management. 